Code Fun Podcast Network. This is Chaos Cast, the Chaos Community Podcast, where we share use cases and experiences with measuring open source community health, elevating conversations about metrics, analytics, and software from the Community Health Analytics Open Source Software, or short Chaos Project, to wherever you like to listen. Welcome to this episode. This podcast is brought to you by your friends at Linode. Whether you're working on a personal project or managing your enterprise's infrastructure, Linode has the pricing, support, and scale you need to take your project to the next level. Get started on Linode today by going to linode.com chaos. On the panel today, we have Daniel Esquerdo. Hey, hello everyone. This is Daniel. A bit about me. Uh, one of the founders of Viterdia, board members at the Chaos community, board member as well at the Inertials Commons. So, hello everyone. Don Marty. Hello. I am also a board member of the Chaos Project, and I'm affiliated with the Information Trust Exchange and a co-author with Georg of a couple of papers on improving the incentivization and contributor reward for open source. Vinya Logan. Hello, I am a co-founder and co-author for the Social Currency Metric System at a, I'm not sure if you could call us affiliated, but affiliated business called Socially Constructed Dot Online. Nicole Huseman. Hi, everyone, and great to be here. My name is Nicole Huseman. I have worked in the tech industry for a little over 20 years and in the open source community for about a decade. I am also a board member of the Chaos Project and actively contribute to the diversity and inclusion work group and really looking forward to being a part of today's discussion. And the host, Georg Link. Hi everyone, Georg here. I'm the director of sales at Biturgia, co-founder of the Chaos Project, maintainer of several working groups, and I help out wherever I can. And I'm super excited to have a special guest today, Ruth Cheesley from the Mautic community. Ruth, why don't you introduce yourself, share with the listeners a little bit about your background and what you do at Mautic. Hi, everyone. Uh, so, yeah, my name's Ruth Cheesley. I'm based in the UK. I've been involved in open source for around 18 years now. I started off in the Joomla community and more recently have been involved in the Maltic community as a contributor since it was created. In August, I became the community manager working at Acquia, supporting the community to grow. Just this last week, I started as project lead for the Mautic community. Congratulations. That's fantastic. What is Mautic and what does Mautic do? So Mautic is an open source marketing automation platform, which allows you to personalize the digital experience that your customers might have across lots of different channels. So at the basic level, it allows you to do email marketing or transactional emails. But you can also understand what people are doing on your web properties or on your mobile applications. And then you can use that information 
to take action and change the experience they have with you throughout their user journey based on the behavior that you see them doing across your properties. And it's multi-channel, so it's not only email, you can send text messages, push notifications, browser notifications, you can integrate because it's open source with any tool really that you want to integrate it with. So it's a very, very powerful platform and open source. That's fantastic. And I know we met at the at FOSDEM earlier this year. And before that, even we were talking for a long time because you started using the Chaos Grimola project in your work with the Mautic community. Could you share what you're doing with the metrics platform and how that has informed your work? Because here on the Chaos podcast, we do want to hear those specific use cases and experiences and go deep into what people actually do around community health. So your story is super interesting. I would love to hear that. Yeah, for sure. I had come across Grimoire Lab before and done some work with Biturgia in the Joomla community. So I already had an idea of the kind of things that you could do. And when I started the role in the Mortic community, I wanted to be able to get a sense across all the different places we have community existing, what was happening and what had been happening over time so that we could look at trends. In particular, we kind of knew that there were some issues around technical debt, but I wanted to be able to have a way to show that using the data. So initially I spun up an instance on my Mac and I think that's where I first got in contact with you because I had some problems and struggled to get things up and running. And it was really helpful to be able to use that as a kind of proof of concept to show that this is what we could do. And the information immediately allowed me to take that to people at Acquia and say, look, this is a developing problem we need to get on top of. And it allowed us to address that. So Yeah, that's kind of like where it started really is like I wanted some objective measures that I could both see what's happening, but also monitor and sort of show progress over time. Ruth, I was reading your recent Community Roundup blog, fantastic blog, by the way, and you mentioned that you had just recently launched a community health dashboard. Can you talk a little bit about that? And uh, within the Chaos Project, we're working on so many different uh, metrics around community health. I'd be interested in hearing from you, which metrics do you think you'll find the most useful, you know, and which metrics may not be as useful to you? Yeah, sure. So we set up the dashboard once I'd kind of done a proof of concept, really, to show that it would work. And that's where I spoke to some of the team from Vitergia at FOSDEM, because there were the last few bits that I needed some help with before we deployed. And I think the most important metrics for us at this moment in time are to do with the efficiency of dealing with backlog. So we have a very big backlog in our issues queue and our pull requests that we are needing to deal with. So being able to visualize that and see how that's changing over time. The engagement metric has been super helpful to see that across all of our community channels. So we're pulling in data from GitHub, from Slack, from Meetup, and from Discourse. So it really does give us a great overview of how the engagement is going over time. 
And the one that I personally find useful is the developers becoming active and inactive. So if we have a new developer that's popped up and submitted a few new PRs out of nowhere, it's really handy to have that surfaced on the dashboard and also to look at organizations that are contributing because to us, that's quite an important metric as well. So Ruth, how have these metrics affected your work or how has that informed some of the decisions in the community and how you have been yeah, making changes even to the community over the last year since you joined? I think the main thing has been actually highlighting areas that we need to focus on and highlighting, but also highlighting where we are getting new contributors because people don't necessarily always see that. And often in open source projects, the sole focus is on what's happening in the code. But actually for us, it's really important people responding on the forums and people engaging on the forums. So being able to demonstrate how that is improving as we're developing the community itself, like we're developing it as a welcoming community. We're encouraging people to get involved. We're running sprints, for example. So being able to show the impact that a sprint had on across a whole range of metrics has been uh, super beneficial. Wow. So I'd really like to hear what is your plan moving forward for getting... It seems like you have to balance contributors with users of the platform who might be non-coding. Do you find that there's a journey from non-coding member using the platform to someone who contributes code? There can be, but because our tool is aimed at marketers, uh, a lot of people will never be developer contributors. And trying to find a way to track the involvement of people who are not developers and never will be, and to recognize them and value their contributions is a challenge. I mean, it's something we haven't quite nailed. Like, how do you track someone creating a marketing campaign? Um, that's quite challenging. I mean, there are ways we could do it by integrating what we do in our own Mautic instance with our dashboard, potentially. But that's sort of one area, definitely, that I think uh, could improve. So I guess my main question is, do you find that you have to balance the demand of users using the platform, but who can't contribute with the amount of people contributing to the program? Are these viewed as two separate but interconnected communities? Or do you tend to treat them as one large community? Yeah, we, we treat them as one large community, but the marketing team develop personas so that we understand what's important to those people and we understand how those people can contribute to the community. So although I mentioned that a lot of the, the contribution to the actual platform itself is code-based, it's really important that we have marketers involved in any discussions that we're having on changing functionality features, the way something works, because they're the people who use it. And if you don't do that, you can sometimes end up with developers building stuff the way developers think it should be used. So, so yeah, try, trying to understand like how someone might contribute in the project and then being able to track that process is really interesting when it's not only development that you're, that you're monitoring. So there's a um, Mautic Marketplace site that has a really uh, interesting set of listings of plugins with their own GitHub repositories. Do you see a lot of people who are 
active in both maintaining a plugin and then also contributing to core, or perhaps being a maintainer on a plugin and then also a, a core contributor? Yeah, so some of those plugins we support and maintain as a project, and we track them on our community health dashboard because they're important to, to track. We do see quite a lot of crossover between core maintainers or people who contribute to the core of Mortic and people who make their own plugins, because often the people who contribute are the people who are actively engaged with the community and either freelancing or working for a company where they use Mortic as their, their tool. So they end up creating stuff for their own use or to scratch their own itch, and they quite often will release that. So we do see we do see that crossover, yeah. Cool. So thank you, thank you for all of the insights you are bringing to this conversation. I, I do have I do have another question. As I'm one of the original developers of Lumar Lab, so thank you very much in, in the first place for for using the, the project and and so on and, and having this in in the public so when we started the project we we thought well we need open source tools to analyze open source projects because we believe that bringing all of these metrics on top of the table and say hey this is what we are this is what we have is bringing like another layer of, of transparency in the same way that we have source code or we have open open and, and, and archive communication channels as many list or, or any others then we have metrics so and of course there are there are uh, friction points where people may start discussing why are you tracking me or or privacy issues and so on so i don't know if you have if you have had this feeling coming from the community or this feedback at some point we haven't generally had any concerns about privacy the information that we're pulling so far as i'm aware is public domain information and with the latest update we have got the option to anonymize i haven't explored that fully but i did see that in the latest update to Grimala. So far, people haven't really commented on it. But the other side to that is that mostly that dashboard is used by the community leadership team, by myself and people at Acquia to monitor. So it's not necessarily widely used by a wide number of people in the community at present. It's something that we're using to sort of track progress over time. So that may become an issue as more people drill into it and look into the data that is there. And it's good to know that there is the option to address that if people do become concerned. At the moment, people see it as like kudos to show that they are contributing. And organizations, particularly our top contributors, use it as a way of showing that they are actively involved and contributing to the MORTIC project as a point of pride. So kind of following up on that question, there are a lot of policies that are coming about and personally identifiable information as an aspect of marketing has become a really big hot topic in the marketing world. How is Mautic handling the general PR of policy limiting what we can do as marketers? Yeah. So when GDPR came in, that was a big thing for anyone involved in marketing, I think. There's two aspects to this. One is making the product compliant and the other is making sure that the people who use the product understand how to use it in a compliant way. So the first option, there's a whole preference center which enables the user to decide what kind of information they want to receive, what different um, types of information, how frequently, through which channels. That's all built there 
out of the box and all the emails have the relevant links through to the preference center. But the user has to actually build their Mautic instance in a way that supports that. So they have to structure all their campaigns and have to structure their segments such that a user who receives an email can decide, well, I don't want to hear sales information, but it is important to me to hear product information because I need to hear about an update. And I want to hear about this product, but not that product. And so for our perspective, it's a case of educating people on how to do that effectively. And we're in the process of building a knowledge base, which will have tutorials for that, because there's also other rules coming into force very shortly that are specific to regions in the US, for example, that are ever so slightly different. Yeah, so like California. In, in one, yeah, the, the California. So in some ways, you have to build the architecture for it to work, but you also have to educate people. And we're We've got one item that we're looking at, including on the roadmap, which is improving the, the kind of data management and making it easier for administrators to deal with requests that come in. And that's something that's um, potentially being considered for our roadmap because it is important and it is time consuming at the moment. Several analyst groups just came out with reports saying that handling data subject access requests can cost anywhere from $200 to depending on how complicated an organization's marketing stack is. So any software that can help marketers implement those uh, GDPR and CCPA regulations is really huge. Yeah, it is interesting to think about. There's this lawyer based out of the UK, Suzanne Dibble, who's been publishing on GDPR since its inception about how it's changing the marketing industry to make things more expensive, but also more accessible. And it's kind of changing the marketing areas to allow for more easily accessible services to comply. And in the course of that, it's making easier, more expensive approaches. So uh, Ruth, as all of these challenges need to be reflected in Mautic and the features that the software need to provide, has there? I'm wondering from a community perspective, is this something that the community takes up and does? Or I also know that there's a company that commercializes Mautic. Is this something that they contribute to? Because you said there's a lot of education that needs to happen on how to use the tool properly. And I'm wondering how that gets into the community? Yeah, so there are several companies who have built their business around Mautic, just like any other open source project. And much of the GDPR work was actually done by one of those companies. So a lot of, because they needed to offer that to their clients. So they contributed it to the open source community so that they therefore would have it in the tool that they use with their customers. And that's often the case on either big projects. So we're just in the process of uh, rewriting from the ground up to support Symphony 3. And that's been driven by Acquia. They, and, and also projects that people aren't necessarily all that excited about in the community, but that are important. So those ones tend to be picked up by companies because it's hard to get people enthusiastic about GDPR if they don't really care about it. And the Symphony stuff has just been a massive, massive project. Over 4,000 lines of code changed, five months worth of work, you know, so it's just been huge. 
So there is a balance there between how much can you expect from open source volunteers and how much do the companies actually need to take on and who are, you know, companies who use that product to actually contribute themselves. And that's where the organizations part of our metric board really helps us to demonstrate who is contributing and when they're contributing and what they're contributing to as well. From the education and documentation standpoint, that generally comes from the community. There are some resources that companies write, and we often ask them if they're okay for us to bring that into the community documentation, because that's ultimately where people land, and we have a lot of through traffic. So, yeah. So, Ruth, you mentioned documentation, and in your earlier blog, you also mentioned documentation. And I was excited to see that Matic would be participating in a Google season of docs. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So my primary way into the project was actually through documentation. I don't come from a development background and I'm kind of the grammar police when it comes to English language documentation. And it's a way that I could contribute meaningfully because I can write well and I can write technical documentation well. So For me, that is often the route into projects. And I've also done PRs for the chaos community where I found stuff that didn't quite make sense. But it's a huge job in the Mortic community. So we have our end user documentation at docs.mortic.org, which we replatformed this year. And we have our developers documentation, which is, it covers the REST API, but it also covers the stuff developers need to know to develop plugins, how to write themes, um, how, how to work with Mortic. And so we came across the season of docs and applied because we had several projects that we really wanted to get some experienced technical writers to help us with. And we're super excited to have got selected this year. And we're already seeing people who are interested in working with us coming into the community and making some contributions or finding out more about the teams and getting to know the mentors. So for us, it's a great opportunity to bring that expertise into the community when They may not have come to the community of their own accord if it weren't for the season of docs. And also to get the outsider's eyes on our documentation, because that is so helpful. When you live in the project and you know it inside out, you read what you want to read often in the documentation. And our docs use Grav with Git Sync, which means it's on GitHub. So we're tracking contributions on our dashboard um, using that as well. So. It's another way of like involving that in our health analytics. That's fantastic, Ruth. Thank you. Uh, documentation is so important and yet been often neglected part of projects. And I myself coming from a writing background find it important as well. So thank you very much. One of the other things that I found really interesting that you brought up in your blog was a project that brings together I'm not going to get this right, but I would love to hear about more about this project that brings together contributors and makes them like experts in a particular area of contribution where they're contributing to features of the project. Yeah, so this was in our kind of sneak peek category of our recent announcement because we're not actually uh, rolling it out yet. We haven't decided on the name that we're going to give these groups. There's various names being suggested at the moment. It takes inspiration from the Drupal project, 
where they have maintainers who are responsible for specific areas of Drupal, but they also have people who work across all areas of Drupal as specialists in a particular discipline. So that might be accessibility or user experience or any of those kind of disciplines that go across all areas of the project. So what the community team are looking at at the moment is a way to allow a group of people who have similar interests to come together and become, I guess you might call them subject matter experts in a small area of Maltic. So it might be that they become the experts in campaign builder or the email builder, or they become the experts in uh, cross device compatibility. And they then become responsible for any changes that are made to that area, but also for suggesting feature updates or if there's a bug that seems to affect that, they can also be consulted. So we're looking at it being a cross-discipline team. You would have marketers, you'd have developers, you'd have people who use Mautic. And yeah, that's sort of where we're going with it at the moment. It's very much in its infancy, but we're hoping that it will enable people to really have a sense of ownership, but also enable the project itself to have those people who are really knowledgeable in particular areas because we can't all know everything about a project as complicated as Mautic. Wow, that really takes increased affiliation with the community to an entirely new level, giving them that level of authority and power over what they themselves are so interested in. It sounds like a really great project. Yeah, we're looking forward to uh, rolling it out. We just need to kind of decide on the name, and that's often the hardest thing to do when you're coming up with a new idea, is what shall we call it? I normally start with naming it Fido and going from there. (laughs) Yeah, maybe we should do that. (laughs) (laughs) So kind of speaking of projects and initiatives happening in, in your community, there's been a lot of talk specifically about a community health report. And we've kind of mentioned it a little bit already, but I'm wondering if we can just do a quick deep dive. Because I think it would be really great if this community health report and the way that you've done it might inform how listeners would be able to do it in their own communities to great health and community empowerment. Can you go a little further into that? Yeah. So this actually came about through being called out on the forums for not doing anything, no progress being made and the community dying. And any of us who've been active in the community were like, how could you possibly think that? But then when we looked at it, if you're not active in Slack and you're not involved in any of the team meetings and not keeping a close eye on our social media, it's entirely possible to think that. So the suggestion from me was, well, I need to do a quarterly report anyway, internally at Acquia, reporting on my goals and how I've achieved them, but also reporting on the health of the community and what we've achieved as a community. So my suggestion was, well, why don't we just make that a quarterly report that we share with the community that that gives us an opportunity to shout about all the awesome stuff we've done, tell people about the stuff where things aren't going quite so well, and highlight where where we're monitoring progress or projects that we've started a, a while ago and we're kind of giving an update on where they are. So that's where it came from. And I took some of the metrics from our Chaos uh, Grimoire Lab dashboard and their metrics that we're interested in monitoring over time. I also pulled some data out of Google Search Console, Google Analytics, that kind of information. 
to sort of get a sense of what people are doing when they arrive on our sites and how well they're performing um, and how that is changing over time because that's just as important as as what's actually happening in the community it's like what's happening in the outside world when people are looking for our product and it was very well received actually really positive and it's a way for us to kind of each quarter draw a line in the sand of like well here's what we've done over the last three months and it's also a reminder to the community like this report's going to go out at the end of the quarter so make sure if you're going to do anything it gets done by the end of the quarter so in a way it kind of gives people that little bit of uh, momentum as well that's a really great way to leverage a lot of your internal data to create a dialogue between the community. I'm asking this partially out of bias due to my background, but also because I'm genuinely interested in what feedback looks like from community in Tomautic. Do you use a lot of qualitative data processes when building that report? What does the conversation look like between the community members who read the report and you putting it out? So whenever we share anything on our blog, there's a companion thread created and linked on our forum. So anyone who comments on that on the forum, it appears as comments underneath the report in the blog. So that's an opportunity for people to have discussions. Also, there was a a fair amount of discussion in, in the community because some people didn't know about some of the things that we have been showcasing in the report. And there's also an opportunity, I guess, for people to uh, fact check and see if that is what they think, if that kind of equates with what their experience is in, in the community. We're looking at some of the other tools in Grimoire Lab to do, to do sentiment analysis. So that's something that we haven't quite incorporated into our dashboard yet. But for me, that's another way of looking at what, how people are feeling and the communications that's happening in the community. Ruth, I, I do have another question for, for today. Uh, so you, you have mentioned uh, several times the concept of Hell, hell. It's it's kind of a subjective way of, of of detailing some specific goals, community goals, perhaps that you are following or that you are tracking in the community. So another concept you have mentioned today is that you are interested in monitoring progress. So what what are those perhaps KPIs or metrics that you are specifically monitoring? So what do you mean by hell? Yeah, it is very subjective. From my perspective, there are a few different angles to look at this. Sustainability of an open source project is huge. So if you only have one or two contributors and they're contributing everything, that's not particularly sustainable. And so we monitor the range of contributors and people coming and going. We also, I think that's a really good sign of a growing community when you start to see more contributors that are not necessarily from the main businesses who use the product. So from our perspective, we often exclude Acquia and exclude uh, Web Mechanic, for example, and look at the contributors from smaller businesses or individual contributors. That's one aspect of it. The health bit that we're not doing so well on at the moment is the backlog and technical debt. So when someone submits an issue or a pull request and it's not responded to for days, weeks, months, even years in some cases, that is a negative sign to me. And something that we're tracking is the response time, the, the times that we, we deal with PRs, we deal with issues. So from the code perspective, that's, that's an important aspect of health. 
And from the forum's perspective, answering, responding to forum posts and marking them as answered. And I'm really interested in the sentiment analysis because from my perspective as well, that will be an interesting thing to monitor when it comes to community health. Speaking in a biased fashion, I really appreciate uh, sentiment analysis coming up as a primary mode of understanding community health in the future. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, even more. So I I would love to hear a bit more from, uh, well, in the future, because we don't have that much time today, about further definitions of health. Because one of the things we've seen in in the chaos community, specifically in the evolution working group, is well, there are projects that are growing that just were born. There are others that are kind of stable, mature over time. And there are, there are others that, I, that, that are even decaying. And depending on where you are in those, for instance, three, these three levels of activity, then we can start defining those, those health metrics in somehow. So really interesting. Thank you. Yeah. And I think that how you define the health of a community changes as the community matures. You'll be looking at different things as the community matures. And it's important to understand where your community is and what the appropriate metrics are to look at. Otherwise, you might be making the wrong interpretations. Yeah, from from the point of view of integrating privacy tools, the big challenge, of course, that people are talking about up front is the transaction costs. And so everyone is concerned about, well, what happens when somebody comes in with this request under GDPR, what happens if they come in with a request under, under CCPA? And what's not so much covered by, by a lot of the incumbent or, or proprietary MarTech vendors is the big diversity of privacy laws. And then what can you do as kind of a fundamental protocol that helps you implement all of them. So somebody says, I've got to do this GDPR thing. And then as soon as you're done with the GDPR project, now you've got to do the CCPA project. And from an open source point of view, we can look at the commonalities and say, let's build out something that's more future proof. And yes, there's going to be different legal documentations and and different options across jurisdictions. But instead of throwing the, the marketers one big project after another, it can be more of a sustained effort. Yeah, and I think the challenge that marketers face is the number of tools they have in their stack. And when you get a request in, often you have to run queries and export data and delete people across multiple different tools. So one of the good things with Maltic is it's integrated with a lot of things. So that might be an option to consider is like, if it's possible to use Maltic as the central hub, and when there's a request to actually do that programmatically through the API to all the tools that you're connected with, because it does connect with CRMs and various other platforms, and that you have some way of like doing it all from one place, because that's a massive, massive time drain as a marketer if you have to deal with one of these. and. Generally, if they're using Mautic effectively, they should have all their tools connected to it. So it could be some, something to consider when we look in more detail about our privacy dashboard. Yeah, and, and privacy tools, if, if I, I look at the Mautic marketplace, there's an opportunity for a privacy tool to get on there and say, enable Mautic to handle 
say, an authorized agent request from uh, specific privacy tools. So if you've got a privacy tool or service that's generating reliable requests, then don't put all the extra work on the marketer. Have a tool in your marketplace that can that can in process those and and not put extra work on them. Yeah, really interesting potential. Yeah, yeah, and doing this kind of thing in open source with with a community approach that that can include the privacy people and the the marketing people is is huge. So looking forward to seeing more on your community help. That definitely resonates with me. So there's a, there's really a great conversation here, and I. I hate to break it up, but we do have a limited time. And Ruth, if someone wants to learn more about Mautic, about the community, the product, about what you do, where would you suggest people go? So the main website is mautic.org. So that's M-A-U-T-I-C.org. And that's our main community hub. We also have a community handbook, which we're in the process of building, which is Contribute. .mortic.org. And that tells you about all the different community teams and how we work as a community. And it also has resources that we're sharing that might be useful for other open source projects. So we put up there how we run our meetings, how we run asynchronous meetings, all that kind of information. So that's also another great place to, to find, find data. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. We, we'd like to round off and end our episodes with picks so each one of us gets to highlight something that has brought value to their lives and something you know can be open source community metrics related it can be open source related it can be just something completely different i'll kick us off i would like to highlight the cooperation between brandeis university and the open source initiative They've been working on the open source technology management program. And I have the pleasure of working with them for a community course where we are highlighting how does open source community work. And I bring a lot of the conversations from the chaos community into my course development there. So I've really been enjoying the work there. And I, yeah. I hope that by having this open source technology management program, we can have more professional training in open source for businesses and non-businesses. So, Vinya. Yeah. So, over the past couple of days, this conversation has been bringing up some things that I've been dealing with recently regarding personally identifiable information, PII, and telling your community's story. And a lot of people start to get a little worried about what metrics should I be using? What metrics are okay? And it's kind of okay to start with good and then get better later. So just pick a few metrics you know are safe for now. Try to tell the story. And if there are gaps, that's fine. Let it go for a little while. First get good, then get better. Thank you. It's very nice. Don, what do you have to share today? Well, my favorite back-channel chat application for quite a while has been Keybase. And 
Keybase is a tool that lets you share your uh, identity across a number of different services. So you can prove that uh, DMarty on Twitter is the same as DMarty on GitHub. So that's handy. It's also got chat feature, file sharing feature. It's kind of a application that that's very ambitious and and does a lot. But in the in the chat, there's a bot who will get you started chatting and using the service called HelloBot, and it's a fun way to get started with a tool that is really useful for sharing your identity across multiple services and for having back-channel conversation. Yeah, I like Keybase too. Thank you, John. Hey, Nicole, what, what do you have to share today? <laughs> so I'm going to take us a little off course and talk about something that's been inspiring me as we kind of navigate our way through COVID and all of these things. One of the things that's been inspiring me is I, I love gardening and I haven't had the opportunity to really do that since the birth of my son now nine years ago. So I have had the opportunity to get back out in my garden with him and we will soon be planting a vegetable garden. And I've been uh, just toiling around in my garden with roses and peonies and all kinds of different things. And one of the books that I recently ordered and have been reading is Low Maintenance Gardening. And it's how to balance being able to work in your uh, garden and also have the time to enjoy the fruits of your labors, you know, which is kind of a, <laughs> an analogy for, for my life as well, which is you know, balancing work with life, right? So that's been a, a recent inspiration for me. Very cool, Nicole. Thank you. Daniel, what would you like to share today? So align with the, with the topic by, by Nicole, not about gardening, but about the, the COVID situation is, so after a couple of months, isolated at home and so on with all of the difficulties that we are all having, I, I have to say that I'm amazed of how resilient the open source industry is. And specifically, I can bring some examples as the chaos project, chaos meetings, open source communities, and the people I know in the industry, they are we are all worried, but we keep working. So we keep, we keep, we keep advancing. And this is a really interesting highlight for, for today and for me that I've learned in the last two days. Thank you, Daniel. It's truly been amazing to see how the open source community continues to thrive in these times of COVID-19. So, Ruth, you're our guest. You get to round it off. What uh, pick do you have for today? My pick for today is a tool that's been built by a community manager, Michael Hall, and it actually uses part of the Chaos tools. I think it's Percival that it's using. It's called Savannah. And it's a community relationship manager. So kind of like a CRM that you would use for sales, but specifically for community managers. And it's a really nice tool. It's Python based and it's on GitHub. So you can play around with it yourself. What I really like about it is it's allowing me to spot conversations happening in lots of different places, but it also allows me to see connections in a graph of like who's connected to who 
and filter that by specific tags, for example. And it's allowing me to see how our leadership team are connected to people in the community, but also emerging leaders. So people who are very well connected and very uh, interacting a lot within our community. So it's a really great open source tool and definitely recommend you take a look at it. It's really nice uh, user experience as well. Very easy to use. Thank you very much. Thank you, Ruth, for joining us today on Chaos Cast. Thank you to our panelists for this amazing conversation. Really great questions. Thank you to our listeners for joining us today. To stay up to date on future episodes, subscribe for free to this podcast on your favorite podcast app. Share this podcast with your friends and colleagues. If you have ideas for future episodes, topics, and would even like to come on as a guest, please email us at podcast at chaos.community. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Until next time, your chaos community. This podcast is brought to you by our friends at Linode with 11 data centers worldwide, including their newest data center in Sydney, Australia, their enterprise-grade hardware, S3-compatible storage options, and next-generation network. Linode delivers the performance you expect at a price that you don't. Get started on Linode today by going to linode.com chaos.